G'day everyone, it's Luke and Andy from Let's Talk Acting. Uh, this week on the podcast, we chat with Tim Roseman, who's the Artistic Director of Playwriting Australia. Yeah, cool guy and really funny. Very funny, very articulate. And we have a great chat about everything to do with Playwriting Australia, Playwriting in general. Yeah, writing plays, new plays and how that relates to actors and directors and the collaborative process involved with creating a new Australian work. Mm. I got a lot out of it and hopefully you guys will if you want to get involved in the discussion. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Twitter handle is at StageMilk and on Facebook it's www.facebook.com forward slash StageMilk. Are we actually rolling? (laughs) Well, it's recording at the moment. (laughs) It's not a struggle unless it's a struggle. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but for some, um, some people, being an actor... A breeze. You're encouraging us to use this podcast <laughs> to tell me I'm <laughs> shit. <laughs> One of the things that we've been looking at uh, is the festival that's going on in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that and what, what, what's happening and what's, what the goal of that is? Yeah, so the National Play Festival is in its eighth year. It's been uh, travelling around the country every year landing in a different town to introduce to local artists, local audiences, and the national industry some of the most exciting plays, um, new thinking for the stage, new ideas in new writing sure. for, for many years. So the idea is that we we set up shop for a fortnight, um, and the last four days of that are a showcase of work that we've been developing in the previous week and a half. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right, sure. And... Um, and so you have local actors from Adelaide um, that you've worked with before, or are there, is there an audition process, or how do people actually get involved in that? Uh, we've been working with State Theatre Company South Australia, and they know the plays that we're working on. So they've been recommending artists to us when we didn't know everyone in the local town. Um, we've brought in a couple of actors from out of state when there simply aren't the right uh, age or gender or uh, cultural diversity mix that we needed for the play festival within the local oh. acting pool. And obviously, you know, lots of people are busy working, which is always exciting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the lucky one. Yeah. Oh, so I, know I know that cultural diversity is really important um, for Playwriting Australia. And one mm. of the things, uh, Andrew and I both trained at the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, um, where there is... Um, an Indigenous theatre program um, that brings in people from around the country and they train yep. for a year full-time um, and many of those performers go on to, to train full-time in the the core, in the acting course. Um, could you talk to us a little bit more about like, why or how important um, cultural diversity is in, in the Australian theatre landscape? Listen, we talk about it all the time. We keep talking about it again and again and again and again, and we keep having the same conversation because we all agree in principle that it's incredibly important that we have a diverse range of faces on our stages, but no one ever does anything. And sure. uh, we, we all feel better for ourselves for acknowledging the, the great disparity and the unevenness and the inequality across, across the Australian stage, and we can kind of give ourselves a self-satisfied pat on the back for doing absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and it's, uh, it's, it's only going to change if people are proactive. It will not change by itself. Uh, it, will, it will not be a case of um, 
suddenly there are a wide range of Asian Australians, Lebanese Australians, uh, Indigenous Australians playing all the roles in in the Australian and international canon. We have to, as cultural leaders, act proactively to make to make that happen. So one of the things we're trying to do across the festival is to ensure that there are culturally diverse actors uh, in in as many of the places we possibly can, regardless of whether it's specified that a culturally diverse actor is needed. I think the standard, like the default in Australia, is white unless told otherwise. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And uh, we're going to be launching at the Play Festival this year Equities um, Create Diversity Pledge, which is a pledge for playwrights and screenwriters to put a line in the front of their scripts that says, Dear Producers and Theatre Companies, um, we encourage you to think about actors of all ranges of diversity, ah, uh, unless know, unless right. it specifies otherwise. So you're kind of just saying, you know what, you don't just have to think white. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, it, it should be lovely. And the, I think, I mean, it's it's not our program. We haven't come up with it, but we've been working with them on it a little bit. And you know, Equities Diversity Committee are really looking to see, well, how can we how can we actually just kind of nudge the mindset a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and for you, um, obviously it's a it's a development process. Um, but how, how do you how how do you or how does the company access these communities within Australia and, and encourage them to participate in something that is that is essentially whitewashed at the moment? You know how 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 do you bring those people in, or or is it the case that they come to you with with their stories and and want a platform to tell them from? Um, it's it's complicated. I mean, we particularly work at the writing end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think all artistic work tends to need role modelling. Yeah, sure. I think that um, I see people who in some way resemble me, my background, my interests, my... Uh, my class, my social status, my geography, doing something and therefore I copy them. And that might be playing rugby, that might be playing the cello, that might be um, speaking an iambic pentameter. Sure. But, you know, uh, lots and lots of people are actors because they were brought up seeing acting, you know, going to the theatre, going to good movies. Um, yeah. If, if you're raised within that environment, it feels like a perfectly normal career path. If you're raised in, you know, and it's the same with all kinds of careers for bricklayers and doctors, just the same. The amount of the amount of lawyers who are children of lawyers is incredibly high. Mm. So, 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 what the challenge for lots of culturally diverse communities and indigenous communities is, is that the role models are not as easily accessible as they are within the white community. So you don't go through life thinking, ah, oh, this is for me. Yeah. Um, so we need to somehow create new pathways in, and we do a variety of programs around the country, and we're trying to do more and more, where we go and find people who are just great at telling stories, in whatever way, it might be musically, um, like we do with our songwriters program for indigenous songwriters at the Sid- Sydney Opera House, where we say, you know, you tell stories th- through song extraordinarily well, come do it through a play. Um, it might be, as we have done in some of our salon programs, where we just get to know a local community and you know bring them into a series of workshops and training programs so that they get kind of skilled up in how to tell stories for the stage um, but it's a, I think it's really important that we 
you know, we recognise that until we have a playwriting and acting culture that reflects the Australia that we live in, mm-hmm. when we are not accurately documenting our times. And one of the great, great, great important jobs of the arts is to chronicle the age that we live in and to challenge us on it and to hold up the mirror to society, but also to crack the mirror and say, this isn't good enough. Mm. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, they're programs that I've literally never heard of before. Um, And you probably wouldn't have. And there's not a huge amount of need for you to, unless you happen to be an Indigenous Australian living in Redfern or a Asian Australian living in Brisbane. You know, they're they're very targeted to people who we think um, may be able to become professional playwrights. You know, it's not it's not hobby or playtime stuff. It's these are the people who we hope are going to go on to become those role models. it may be too broad a question, Tim, but mm. you know, talking a lot about storytelling, do you think with um, with playwriting, do you see there being kind of a goal with playwriting when you look at for new players and stuff, and you go see players? Is it is it about telling a great story, or, or you, you said it's about kind of chronicling the time we're in? Do you see there being an aim with playwriting or and writing plays? I think it can't not be. Yeah, um, I, I think realistically. Uh, there's no way um, there's there's no way that you can be uh, looking at writing for the stage and, and not be doing that because the things the issues of the day are the issues that artists respond to and the the stories that are um, predominant in our culture become the the things that we portray on our stages. Um, in terms of story, that's a that's a really complicated question and getting more complicated. Uh, I as where where are you guys based? Remind me. You, we're, we're in Sydney. We're in Sydney. Yeah. So um, a little bit less in Sydney than in Melbourne, for example. But in the more progressive, formal experimentations that are happening throughout our theatre culture, uh, story is in in many cases deprioritized um the 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 challenge for playwrights within that is they tend to think about story they tend you know playwrights don't just write words they they jeez what do you guys do Sorry, I've heard the police. Well, you know, this is this some kind of in, illegal incendiary artistic blog. Um, uh, so you know, playwrights do tend or often think about how they tell the story, how they structure it, where they release what information, and that leads itself to what over years has become called the well-made play. Um, that's all vital. And that's particularly where audiences start, because we know how to watch that, we know how to read it. Formal conversations tend to be more interesting, I think, to artists than they are to audiences. I think (laughs) there's often a situation where um, imaginators, is that a word? Imaginers and (laughs) uh, radicals, kind of, you you know, theatre terrorists, who want to get in there and blow shit up, they, yeah. their chances are they're wanting to have a conversation with other artists and, and with themselves and with the form before they want to have a conversation with audiences, I think. Sure. I think if we were really honest about that, that would be true, more true than it isn't. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly something that, 
that we that that I notice um, more and more going to see shows and cooperative theatre in Sydney and experimental theatre mm. that um, that a really clear, well structured, linear story is becoming less and less frequent. Like mm. it's, it's actually hard to find something that is that is a simple and well told story. Sure. Let's let's not conflate the two. Simple and well told are not necessarily the same thing. Sure, 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 sure. And uh look at Andrew Bovell's work. In no way could you call it simple. Mm. But it's extraordinarily well told. Right. Um uh and you know, a, a lot of a lot of formal experimentation is incredibly simple, has really one idea that is, is kind of being fractured and refractured and put together in various different permutations, but fundamentally mm-hmm. is is continually digging away at the same the, the same kind of niggling question. Um, in, 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 and, the, and it's the delivery of it, the delivery of it, that becomes what's complicated, um, as if complication by itself is a virtue. Yeah, uh, sure. And um, again, it's it's kind of like that person. You know, the danger of the work is always that it's it's um, it is that the soul isn't necessarily as prominent as the expertise mm. as the delivery. And and more and more and more, I'm convinced that our job as theatre makers in whatever field we want is is we trade in soul. If we want to look, if we want to look for clever. There are any number of professions that trade in clever. If you want to look for dazzling brilliance, there are equally any number of people. What the theatre can do that nothing else can do is really speak directly to the audience's soul. And and I think we forget that at our peril. In no way am I advocating here for old-school, tra- traditional, um, fuddy-duddy, uh, you know, kind of cosy theatre for 17-year-olds. Um, what I'm saying is, is that we've got to re- we've got to be juggling all of those things, and the, and the, the conversation has to be first and foremost with audiences in whatever way you want it to be. But if you if you forget that you're doing it for them, you may as well sit in your room by yourself with a dirty magazine because it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> that's a beautiful line. So um, that's interesting, and one of the one of the topics that we regularly come back to is. Um, that the the conflict between um, the solo artist, the the sit down writer play auteur kind of um, playwright, and perhaps a more collaborative process, and the value mm. of working with uh, actors, writers, directors, um, all in in a collaborative process to create a work that that um, that speaks from somewhere to uh, to an audience that that is unfamiliar with that whatever that space is, the story that. The, the characters, the mm-hmm. relationships. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, how how you get how you bring people together to collaborate on works um, and, and and the value of, of collaboration? Sure. Listen, there's never ever been a new play that wasn't a collaborative process. It's simply not possible. Um, at some point, somewhere, someone has brought a differing opinion to the table by the way they phrase a line, by the way that they design a set, by the way that they direct a transition, by the way that they uh, ping a sound cue, by the way that a light change happens. You know, mm-hmm. all theatre is written on the stage. It may yeah. be... And in the rehearsal room, I guess. 
and well, but, but the same thing. It's, but it, it's it, it's it's written by the act of doing it, and those things that have been said, you know, long and hard in this country over the last few years about. Um, theatre doesn't exist as literature, I, I entirely agree with, actually. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have literary merit. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't glean something by reading it. That doesn't mean that you can't kind of pour over the words and extract all of the marrow from them and get something really quite extraordinary and rich. Um, mm-hmm. It's a question of how and where you do that. And, you know, I think rehearsal rooms are wonderful places for doing that. But I also think playwrights should be part of that Yeah. Um, in the first thing. I think that one of the uh, – there's a number of things. Um, I think one of the things that we do is uh, talk about collaborative work. And with the exception of devised work – um, you know, like kind of pure, 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 pure device work. At some point, somewhere along the line, most likely a playwright has had something to do with it. You think mm-hmm. about all of the all of the hot incendiary um, wall tearer downers. They tend to be dealing with old plays. They tend to be in some way ripping apart a doll's house, uh, head of gabler. Um, uh, the wild duck, you know, with whatever degree of success or not, that's not really the conversation that I want to have. What's, in, what's important to acknowledge is that at some point a playwright imagined that world. Mm. And uh, I often talk about the Cherry Orchard because I think it's one of the very, very greatest plays ever, ever written. The Cherry Orchard can withstand whatever you want to throw at it, but <laughs> as long as, you know, you can, um, you can rip it to shreds, you can uh, repeatedly put uh, the character's fingers in a blender and watch the blood ooze out of their, you know, their, their pores. Um, but fundamentally, you're dealing with choices of moments in time that Chekhov already made. Mm. Um, and from that, you can get extraordinary new work. I think particularly of Kate Mulvaney and Annie Lusarks's Medea exploration mm-hmm. which was kind of and and uh, Simon Stevens Thaistes or uh, excuse me Simon Stone's Thaistes or the Wild Duck you know they're they're kind of seminal moments of Australian theatre but they they are fundamentally um riffing on work that playwrights have done in the past that's fine I think it's absolutely fine it's great to do that um within a within a more devised program program of work somewhere along the line someone has to do something that a playwright does and that's not just about deciding who says what but it's about digging foundations it's about understanding the arc of the work it's about knowing the complexity of the the conversation that you want to have and the question that the work is interrogating and that's playwriting you can call it whatever you want but fundamentally that's what playwrights do um i often talk about uh, how often do you go and see a devised play that's kind of got 20 minutes of really just pure joyful brilliance in it in about an hour of quite soggy porridge <laughs> um, I'd, I'd argue 95% of the time it's because no one was doing that playwright's job mm-hmm. the, the shaping of the work the rorting we say all the time here that the, the verb to write with a pen W-R-I-T-E is absent from the word playwright plays yeah. are wrought they're written you know they're, they're excuse me, plays are raw, they're bent into shape like mm. um, cartwright or wheelwright or shipwright. You know, it's hard graft. And, uh, and, and that happens, you know, throughout our processes. Wherever we go, I'm continually advocating, and we set up a whole new program called the PWA Lab for more 
playwrights to be involved in non-writer-led work because I think it's where the future is and I think that playwrights would do really well to be responsive to that and to be putting their hands up for this kind of new way of working that that is different from sit in your room and write 73 pages. Yeah, sure. So could you just um, riff on that a little bit, the, the difference between um, perhaps a dramaturg, director and playwright in, in that context? I think um, any good process ideally is going to have all of those people involved. Mm. or people doing all of that function and they may not only be doing that function the western way, the Anglo western way of making work um, and mm -hmm. I suppose the, the Germanic as well um, has been very um, uh, we, we portion out roles and we don't like people to transgress from there <laughs> sure. so you're yeah, a director, yeah, yeah. you're an actor you do yeah. acting now No, please be quiet now, just do acting okay? <laughs> and, and you're yeah, a composer please don't talk to me about the lights do you just do the dots and, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a particularly stupid way of working and just look for, for a counter to that to indigenous theatre makers uh, I don't know a single Aboriginal theatre maker who only does one thing. I don't know any, you know, Leah Purcell acts, writes and directs. Sure, yeah. Miranda Tapsell acts and sings. Wayne Blair acts, directs, does bits of writing, you know, Wesley Enoch writes and directs. Uh, there's these, the, 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 the idea of siloing your practice into only one thing is a very, very Anglo way of thinking about the world. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, so, so we need to, I think, be much more responsive and understand that people can do many things according to what's needed at, at any given time. But what what's happened in the devised world is because it it has often been making work in reaction to the mainstream. Is yeah. that you? Is that various avenues have been deliberately excluded from the process because people feel like playwrights are going to take over? that is going to become all about the cult of, of that one artist's vision. And yeah. whilst I personally am entirely enthralled to one artist's vision, I think that there's nothing more joyful for me than going to see one brilliant artist do something as well as it can possibly be done. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I understand that not everyone thinks that, but I think that what we need to do is to make sure that the function of, of that is all is always being maintained through the work we make. Otherwise, I don't think the work is compelling. Mm. No. And you're actually touching on something that I find um, really interesting and, and, and one of the major challenges, I think, um, for, for everyone working in this industry in Australia is um, the, the fear of the next job or the fear of pissing someone off so that um, they don't employ you again. Or the, there, there's, there's perhaps... Um, a little bit of an elephant in the room fear that's floating around. Um, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, uh, that cu that culture of, of being very protective um, of... Oh, I'm not explaining myself very well here. Um, do you think that uh, the scarcity of work in Australia has has created some sort of culture of fear um, and safety um, conservatism in, in the Australian theatre industry. Um, I'm going to answer that question backwards, if that's all right. Is there no. 
a conservatism and fear in the Australian theatre industry? Absolutely yes and absolutely not. Uh, it just depends where you're looking. Sure. Um, conservatism, I think, tends to come from a programming perspective because of economics. Mm-hmm. I think if you're uh, you know, coming, uh, uh, although I'm Australian, I come from England, and um, the annual subscription model is unheard of over there. Ah, uh, oh, right. And partly because there are so many theatres. You know, you're counted in London, where there are over 100 theatres, um, you're counted as a regular at any one theatre if you go there once a year. That's the official definition. Whereas wow, right, okay. you'd be a regular at Belvoir or at Malthouse if you went to four or five shows a year. You know, you, mm. you'd have a subscription package, and that makes you a regular. But that means you need to know everything that you want to do. A year in advance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it means that you you are you're having to factor in will this appeal to the kind of people who are buying subscription tickets mm. um, before you're doing anything else. So if you are running a main stage senior audience base, you know, they're all over 65, white, middle class, um, highly educated, highly um, highly informed, traditional theatre-going audience, you're going to programme work that's going to appeal to them. And mm. your your norm isn't likely to be the um you know the stick a rocket in your bum and set light to it play you'll do one of them sometimes yeah and it will be fantastic and your audience will love it but you might put it in the smaller theater mm. um you might have it a shorter season than your production of hamlet's and mm. rightly so you know because good art and good business go hand in hand and let's not let's you know the temptation is uh, as the new generation is to crap all over the older generation's audience, mm. but they're the people who keep us in work. So yeah. let's not shit on them, because <laughs> they are the people who ensure that there is a theatre culture in our country. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, um, sorry, I'm just going to jump in because we're 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 out of time, but I just oh. wanted to um, see if we could finish maybe on a note. I, uh, are you optimistic about the future of playwriting in Australia? Um. Do you know, I'm so optimistic about it. I think the reports of our death have been greatly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. People are going to keep writing plays. Um, Theatres are going to need continually to produce new plays. The We as an industry are only are only going to survive if we have a legacy of this moment right now and I look at the plays in the National Play Festival this year and I look at the range of them you know everything from a 1980s video arcade championship through to (laughs) the story of a media mogul through to you know the youngest ever global rice executive kind of you know doing a huge conglomerate takeover through to um through to a motel room that turns in magically turns into the alps uh, in the middle of the mountain you know there's there's such imagination there's such uh craft there's such expertise the quality of the work on the australian stage is incredibly high um you know and i think it's important to remember particularly as we're in times of real uh uncertainty when we're talking about government investment in the arts mm. I, th- I think it's incredibly important to remember that we're 
good at it. It may not be huge here compared to other cultures around the world, but we're good at it. And we have got some of the greatest artists in the world writing plays in Australia. And we need to shout about that. Mm. Awesome. Tim, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Completely my pleasure, guys. It's been fantastic, man. Have a good, uh, a good day and good luck with the festival. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Well, hopefully, uh, Adelaide, 22nd yes. to 25th of July. Do you come down? Uh, just tell our listeners, so it's on... It's coming up. What are the dates for it? Tim? The 22nd to the 25th of July at the Adelaide Festival Centre. And anyone can just come down or get on the website. You can, and you can get on the website out. and see the whole program. There's a range of talks. There's a range of panels. Joanna Murray Smith is giving a keynote address. There are seven different things that you can see. There are masterclasses from Andrew Bovell, from Leah Purcell, from a whole range of our playwrights as well. If you've never written a play before and you've always wanted having a go, Playwriting No One is just spend the morning writing plays with us. We'll teach you how to do it. Um, there's, if you're in any way interested in, in plays in the theatre, then Adelaide is going to be a place to be in July.